Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Be Above Leadership and Blog Talk Radio. This is Ann Betts, my erstwhile partner, Ursula Pottinga, is in Europe this month and not able to join us, but we have middle school teacher, coach, trainer, amazing human being, Shay Sun with us um, instead, and he and I are going to talk about neuroscience and consciousness and the classroom and this just really super cool stuff he's been doing with his middle school students, and I'm just thrilled to have him here. So welcome, Shay. Thank you, Anne. I'm glad to be here. It's it's just fun, and just, uh, just full disclosure, uh, Shay and I have known each other for a few years now and just really bonded. We initially met in a um, beginning coaching course that he was in and I was teaching. And just I could just tell there was this human being who just shone positivity and brilliance around him. One of those people that you just think, i got to know this guy. And so we've been hanging out in the neuroscience and coaching space, and I started hearing about some of the cool stuff he's doing in his classroom. So I thought it would be great to bring, uh, bring all of you, my dear friend, Shay Sun. Oh, uh, and so, Shay, you, tell, <laughs> you're welcome. Tell us where you are. Tell us a little bit about um, – so you're in the Riverside School District. Tell us – just give us a little bit of the context about where you teach yeah. and how coaching – and even like how coaching came into that as well. Yeah, so um, I'm in Riverside, California, and I've been here for 19 years, and I've been teaching middle school, primarily eighth grade for that whole entire time, and currently I'm at Matthew Gage Middle School, and this is my fifth year there. And about three years, four years ago is when I started playing the space of um, coaching, and I think that's when you and I met around that time. And um, it's just been really, really fascinating because some of the principles have really allowed me some space to really play with some ideas. And um, I was developing some leaders, and I just felt like there was a perfect fit between what I wanted them to do and the things that I've learned. And in, in that time, um, I think I've just been really dabbling more, more than anything else and, and seeing whether, whether or not a lot of things that we do with adults in terms of coaching, um, whether or not it made sense um, at the younger ages and the lower grade levels, and then also whether or not um, they would want to, want to play with me. In, in that space too. And, and that's what I found. I mean, like this year I have such strong leaders. So I have six leaders in my five classes that I pull into a homeroom period. And those leaders, I really try to delve more deeply into uh, what we're talking about. Um, the things, a lot of things I, I like, you know, the, the seven levels um, posters, um, maybe a lot of you in the audience have seen in Anne's workshops. I have like three of those all around my, my classroom <laughs> and all my leaders actually have a little card the seven levels So like today I was like peeking over and you know one of the kids had it in their you know their um, clear folder um, you can see it in the front and so the kids are carrying it around oh, okay. and so so it's oh, becoming okay. like not just like Mr. Sun's wanting us to do this um, but like they're really internalizing it and, and a lot of them even going home and teaching their their parents about what's going on so it's really amazing wow yeah that's really amazing I mean you know and it's it's I know it's probably certainly has been a little bit of my bias and I think it might be out there in the world that when we when we hear you teach eighth grade and we think about like all the hormones that are going on during that Mm. time and I just Mm -hmm. think like you know Oh, blessings on you. You're really just 
like, good, I'm glad you're doing that job because kind of like who would want it? And yet you've been doing it for years. So what is it about this age and the receptiveness that they've had to what you've been talking about? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tell people that I teach mutants, right, because they're going through this weird space where they're not kids anymore and they're not fully adults, and people expect them to kind of be a little bit of both. And so I think mm. because of that, they're willing. I mean, I think when you, when you allow them the space to fail, when you allow them the space to, um, <clears throat> to, to, to have adult conversation and yet know the fact that they're still developing, there's that respect that, that takes place. And you know what? Mm. With these kids these days, you can't just expect them to respect you because you're a teacher. You really have to earn that through mm. that relationship. Wow. And so I think that, wow. that makes a difference. And also, the, you know, the, my passion wow. with, when it comes to these kids is the fact that, so, you know, like people say that, like the little kids, the elementary school kids will like, you know, hang on you and be really needy, right? And that just doesn't fit like my personality. And then those older kids sometimes in high school, they might have a little bit of attitude and sometimes they're not as receptive. And these kids are the, you know, I love you, like, the beginning of the day, and by the end of the day, they hate you, and they, they come back the next day, and, and they just forget about what just happened, right? And, like, literally, that happens on Friday and then today, on Monday. So I think because of that, because they're going through this, this, this shift of emotions, they understand, I think they actually understand the seven levels. They understand the, the amygdala hijack. They understand that because they literally experienced yeah. probably last period, right? So it's, it's very yeah. relevant to them, and so I love that. Oh, God, yeah, that's great. Amazing. You know, I just, I mean, there's like a million different directions I want to go. But one of the things that kind of hit me as I was exploring neuroscience and thinking about some of the teachers and mentors I had who really were beloved to me, who really saw me. And I was thinking about this whole thing, Shay, about neuroplasticity and the mm. brain's capacity to wire in a certain way and that that's a lot of what is happening at this age is their brains are wiring yeah. in their adult way of being. And so it seems to me, I'm curious your take on this, that, you know, that, that makes them really like really wonderful, like fertile fields for really positive habits and behaviors. I'm just curious what you think about that. It's funny you mentioned that because literally their homework tonight is to find a YouTube video on neuroplasticity uh, on teens. So, I mean, for teens, or something like that. So basically it's all about like the teen way of understanding neuroplasticity. And the Friday's homework was about neuroplasticity uh, like, for teens, right? And so, uh, I mean, I love what you said in your workshops about neuroplasticity is a what, seven-syllable word for hope, right? And I think that's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's something like that, right? And so I think for these kids, I think it's being to um, honor the fact that they are going through this explosive growth where they're actually yeah. of, uh, out of the box thinking, right? There's a lot of innovation going on in their head. And they yeah. don't always know what to do with it. So I think that's why they get into trouble sometimes yeah. because of things like that. So I think it's honoring the fact that they're going through that and then also understanding the fact that um, they have a little impulse control at the same time, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, be able to yeah. see both sides. So it's not just like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're a teen, so I can't really trust what you say, or, you know, you're just going to let me down the next moment. I think being able to have a level of, like, understanding, you know, a lot of that is compassion and forgiveness and knowing the fact that we were all there at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, seeing them as a human, a human being with a human brain, with a human heart and things like that, and it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, like, over 170 kids, I and mean, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of wow. brains to be bumping wow. up against every day. So 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to I want to talk about that in a minute the 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 brain bumps but you're reminding me yeah. of something that Yeah, let me come back to the brain bumps because I love this. This is a great story. Um you you're making me think of there's a book that um one of our I know our mutual heroes is a guy named Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel. Oh, yes. And he wrote a a book about the adolescent brain called Brainstorm. Mm. And you know, you're really pointing toward um, what he talks about in the book, and I thought this was a marvelous way of framing the adolescent brain, that yes, it has trouble with impulse control. Yes, they don't think things through. That's a higher brain function that isn't fully mm-hmm. online yet. And what I didn't know that was a little bit distressing frankly, when I, when I read this book was that at the same time that this higher brain, the prefrontal cortex, is at its most volatile because it's not fully we say not fully online yet, it's also at its most creative. And it's kind of mm. like the minute, our, the minute our brains get really kind of calmed down and online and we can self-regulate and think things through and have impulse control, that's also when our creativity starts dying off. Mm. <laughs> so I, 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 <laughs> the cruel I, joke. It is, it is. Um, and, you know, and what Dr. Siegel says that I think is great is we need to honor this amazing creativity in young people and at the same time um, play the role of elder, play the role of mm. um, wisdom and guidance, and at the same time honoring their brilliance um, that we don't have in quite the same sharp way that they do. Does that make sense yeah. to you? I'm just curious yeah, your, your take on that. Yes. Yes. In fact, it makes me actually think in terms of how much kids at this age deal with shame and uh, either in their personal oh. life or because of their families. And something about honoring the human beings when they feel that, I mean, I think you're really holding a space for them to, um, to be authentic because I think a lot of kids hide. In fact, a kid even I was coaching a kid during lunch today and she had mentioned the fact that, you know, she, her, she tries to hide her sadness because of all the things that go mm. on in her home. So I think honoring her experiences wow. and letting her know the fact that her pain is real and at the same time to, to yeah. say, you know, well, you are a courageous human being. Like, stay in leadership. You're, you're, you're going to be fine, you know, and I believe in you. Yeah. All those things make it so that a kid has someone cheering in their corner. Yeah, and that's, and that's that role that we, you know, and I loved your, your story that you told about, you know, at the beginning of the day, they love you, and at the end of the day, they hate you, and at the beginning of the next day, they love you again. It's true. And I, I, yeah. <laughs> I see, I mean, I think, having raised a, you know, a son who's now 21, I kind of get that. Um, I don't, you know, you have 170, <laughs> I have one, but, you know, pretty much the same thing. And, and I'm yeah. thinking about, you know, our, our job is keep our brains and nervous mm. systems regulated so that we can be stay um, calm and rational and just understand that they're going through what is normal development and yes. they need us to be there for them. Yes. I, you know, it's interesting in the midst of that for them to know that you're a human being. So like for me, you know, mm. People in the district of my school, they know the fact that I love Spider-Man. I have, like, tons of Spider-Man shirts. And I have a little Spider-Man little figure in front of the room. But you know what? When the Incredible Hulk takes Spider-Man's place, all the kids know that Mr. Sun is in a full Mcdo hijack. And so and then they know the fact that – and I even told my leaders today, it's like, you know what? If you ever think that Mr. Sun is out of place, just say, hey, Mr. Sun, you know what? There's some fresh air outside. Can we just go outside, just take deep breaths, and then come back? Like, I give them the space to hold me as a human being in the midst of 
all the chaos uh, that happens in school, yeah. right? So by doing it that way, it's not like yeah. I'm like, you know, even though maybe I'm further down the path in terms of just sheer number of years on the, walking this planet, I still have moments like that. So they, it, it's to let them know that I am not speaking on a higher place above them. I'm just walking along the path with them, you know, beside them. And they, yeah. they, they like that, I, you know, so... I think that's I think that's so. I mean, talk about um, gaining credibility. And one of the things when I'm in, that when I'm speaking about neuroscience and talking about this, and I and I will have, I will often have my my groups um, think of a time they had an amazing hijack, and um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, a time that you just really lost it, and your you know your rational mm. brain just sort of went out the window. And I love how you say sort yeah. of you've gone from Spider Spider Man to Incredible Hulk. I think everyone can relate yeah. to that. And you know, one of the things I say is if you've never had one, then you're a robot or an alien, and you know we should all be really <laughs> careful. And and everybody laughs because it's part of what it is to be human is we get right. triggered by things, and you know we. And sometimes it's a little thing because it's the straw that broke the camel's back and it came after a long day yes. of dealing with stress. Yep. So, yep. so we have a That's hand true. signal. I want to talk about, talk about the hand oh, signal. Yeah. And I want you to tell cool. the brain, the brain bump story. And this also comes from Dan Siegel, who has a, uh, basically the hand signal sort of shows your brain and when your fist is closed over your thumb, that's a fairly good um a hand model of the brain with the thumb on the inside being the amygdala and the limbic system that kind of takes us into this fight, flight, or freeze response. And then the higher brain covering that and the fingernails being where the prefrontal cortex is. And this is the highest brain, and this is what these young people are busy developing. It's one of the reasons they need more sleep, by the way. And so the hand signal is, you know, if you've got your fist sort of tight there, that means everything's good. It's online. If the fingers go up to show an open palm with the thumb, that's basically saying I'm having some degree of a hijack. So tell how you have used this in the classroom because I think this is just brilliant. So I would stand by the door like every day and give the kids high fives until I learned from you this whole hand model from Dan Siegel. And so all I did was I just modified it. I modified to where I would use this, this, this brain bump, and that's what, just because people use the term fist bump, right? And so I literally would participate. You know, if I am doing well, I would hold up my fist my thumb inside and um and the kids would know the fact that i'm online right that there's a connection between my prefrontal cortex and my amygdala <laughs> and you know and they would go ahead and give me a bump and if they had to make the hijack they would i mean not they would they are doing this right now they would show it to me so if they go ahead and give me uh, the, the signal that they have an amygdala hijack or they're flipping their lid i would then ask them one two or three which then, you know, relates to the seven levels that we'll probably talk about later on. And then oh, after that, I ask them, okay. is it happening at home or at, at, at school, right? And then if they say it happens at school, I ask them, is it in my class or is it in one of the other classes? So all I'm trying to do is trying to figure out where, where it's happening because then that lets me know how much level, you know, of, of influence that I have in that space. And then I'll ask them, you know, I'm here. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk now? Do you need to step outside? Do you need a leader to talk with you? And so it's like this really quick check-in as of walking to class. And I do this with all the kids. But when I'm busy, because let's say I'm dealing with something, one of my leaders goes, and they do a brain, a brain bump, all the kids coming in. So now it's peer-to-peer oh, and not wow. just teacher-to-peer. 
amazing oh, system that happens. Yeah. And Amazing. you know, I mean, there's so much that I, so much that I love about this that I just wanted to highlight. And one is um, this whole way that you've trained these leaders, because we hear about when you, we hear you've got 170 kids. I mean, my heart just sort of oh, stops, gosh. and you know, because right. because I want everybody, I want everybody to have like massive amounts of you in their life. And I'm sure everybody who's listening is like, why could I not have had a teacher like Shaysan, um, or can't my children have him? <laughs> Thanks. Um, but this is one of the ways that you have helped replicate yourself and kind of yes. made that ripple effect. The, yeah. the other thing that I think is so, so brilliant about the brain bump is one of the things we know. Remember somebody came into class one time and I had, you know, the next mm. day I talked with them about amygdala hijacks and they came in and they said, well, you know, I tried to have a conversation with my husband last night and I was, you know, telling him this and that and being really rational and he just wasn't interested in listening to it at all. And it was a perfect illustration of that when you're triggered and this higher brain goes offline and you can feel, you know, what will start happening to feel adrenaline and cortisol in your body. Good luck teaching into mm. that. You want mm-hmm. they, Then you want to teach them, you know, math or history or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're right. freaking out because somebody insulted them in the hallway or their parents just got a bitter who knows what it is. And we want them to pay attention, but their brain is their brain is literally flooded with chemicals that make that really hard unless there's something that can help get them back online. And so it's one of those things that's completely it's if you've got a classroom full of people whose amygdalas are reasonably online, you can teach. But if mm-hmm. you don't, what's the point? Right. You can't. It's scattering seed and hoping the fact that you're going to produce fruit when you can't. Yeah, you have to make sure that you, yeah. you the, the kids are ready for all that, right? This whole concept of like right. teach people, um, then the content, right? Or like people say things like I teach students, like I teach students language arts. You have to think about the whole person, and the whole person means the fact that yeah. how they're feeling emotionally is going to impact their their cognitive skills, right? Whether or not they're even interested in your academics at that point. So right. paving the way whether, for that. Whether or not, yeah, and whether or not they even physically can hear you. Because one of the mm-hmm. things that happens, especially if it's a severe upset, is we, we lose, physiologically, we lose, um, we lose some of the capacity to see, our, our vision narrows. Some of we lose what we can hear, and we certainly lose what we can pay attention to. So it's not even willful on anyone's mm. part. And if you think about, and maybe for all of our listeners, to think about a time that you've been really upset and someone's been trying to explain something to you, and maybe they actually were rational but it's you can't hear it or take it in you have to calm down first so i think that's amazing so shay i know that one of the things Mm -hmm. you've done in your classes and with your leaders is you've given them i mean you've found a way around the system is what it sounds like to me because ideally you know you'd be able to give you know go for an hour and do or an hour and a half and go into you know the right and left hemisphere and this and that I know you've like brought it in in 15 or 10 or 15 minute chunks. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing to me. <laughs> what inspired, well, goes back you, to what what you inspired just, you to, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think part of it is like what, like if I give them a ton of content, right. And if they, if they, if they get lost in that content, they, there's nothing that's sticky enough for them to hold on to. So what I have to do is I have to make sure the fact that, that I, I first laid some, some structure down 
write some ideas down, and then later on, if I want to build upon that, I can go ahead and do that. So a great example of that is um, we've been talking about values a lot because that's a part of our district um, uh, essential questions for this uh, first uh, quarter. And um, we, I, I told them about what I'm willing to say yes to and what I'm willing to say no to in the classroom. And so what I did was I brought in the left and right hemisphere and, I, and above and below the line, right? So I said, I'm, I'm saying yeah. yes to structure and freedom. and I'm saying no to rigidity and chaos. And I give examples and we start talking about all that. So by, by using just those terms by themselves and then say that those are my values and these are my like anti-values or whatever you want to call them, it actually allows them to be able to have a very simple way of digesting it. And so now when I communicate to the kids about what's going on, like I told them, I said, I was in a full-on amygdala hijack on Friday after school and I was in frustration. A lot of kids didn't write the correct period on their on their headings so i didn't even know which period things were in because the papers got mixed up so i said i was in chaos and i was really wanting structure the kids understand that now <laughs> they understand the diagonal process from that simple that's all it is that's so that's so great and i so I, this is like a couple of things i want to unpack in that yeah and one of the one of i mean there's so much there that's so so cool i, I just love it one is like you are, if I take anything from this conversation, Shay, and I'm taking so much from it, one is do not underestimate 15-year-olds because oh, if, it yes. is con- right. if it is contextually grounded, they get it. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I have said, and I mostly, do, I mostly work with people that are a little older than the ones that you're working with, but, you know, people – we have this amazing complex system of, of our brain and our body. It's all playing a role in how we think and making, making up what our mind is, which is more than just the brain and the head. But no one really ever gave us a user's manual or said, mm. you know, by the way, this is typical. What you're going through yeah. right now, the fact that it's hard for you to focus because, you know, you got an eviction notice your mom got an eviction notice last night and you're having trouble paying attention in class. That is not because you're a bad person. That's because mm. your brain is actually responding in the way it is designed to. Yeah. And just knowing that I think gives it lessens that shame that you're talking about. It mm-hmm. gives you freedom. And, yeah. um, and so I think what you're doing is you're giving these, these, these middle school students a real heads up for life because they're getting a user's manual to their own brain. And part of that is what you're talking about with the right and left hemisphere. And so I want to just break that down a little bit for everyone. So, uh, and it's a much more complicated issue. And if you want to read even more about it, you can always go to my blog, which is yourcoachingbrain.wordpress.com and just Google right and left hemisphere. There's a number of posts. It's a complicated topic, but mm-hmm. very simple way of thinking about it is that when we are in a creative state and our prefrontal cortex is online, what the right hemisphere is holding is like our value of freedom and openness. And that's how it's seeing the world. And the left hemisphere, Shay was saying, is holding this value of structure and details and things like that. And that's how it's seeing the world. When we're in this reactive state in the first three levels of the seven levels of effectiveness, what ends up happening is that the right hemisphere takes this freedom 
along the continuum all the way to chaos because that's what's at the far end of the continuum of freedom. The left hemisphere takes this structure all the way to rigidity. And so I love what you're saying is, look, if we can have structure and freedom, that will move us out of these destructive states of either chaos or rigidity, which Mm -hmm. nobody thrives. A teacher doesn't thrive in, but students don't thrive in either. Nope. Right. Did they share anything about their own experience with either chaos, rigidity? Has that been a conversation that you guys have had? I'm so well, just want to ask for examples. Must... I mean, we talked about like, yeah. having a substitute teacher when the substitute teacher has no, um, you know, control of the class. So they understand that type of chaos, right? It, yeah. And what's that like for them? When they've got, I mean, that's a great example when, you know, how do they feel when they, it feels like nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah, they hate it, especially the kids that want to move forward. In fact, that actually happened in class. In the middle class, that happened. It was a perfect example. These kids started, you know, getting on, off topic, and one of the girls just says, let's move on with the agenda. Let's move on. And it was a great example of actually the class feeling like, and this was while I'm teaching, right? And so they can sense the fact that the class was losing it, and then she was wanting to pull us back. And so, you wow. know, I think, I think part of it is not only just these examples of, hey, remember a time when this happened, but because it does happen, right? I mean, these are, these are like you said, yeah. continuums that we experience. Or things like a parent who's extremely rigid, you know, about rules or consequences, right? And what, they, what the child wants, hopefully, what they, they, they will receive is a little bit more freedom. And so I think that those are the kind of conversations that we have, or whether the teacher is too rigid about something and has to go with something a certain way. So I even told the kids, like, you know what, I don't want to fall into rigidity, and it's easy for me to do that too. I've, I've already been teaching since my 19th year. So if there's areas where I need to grow, I need your input, right? Where can I allow you to have as much freedom as possible, and let's have a structure for that freedom to take place? So they know the fact that oh I'm kind of working in that space also. So, but the thing is they already have the wow. language now. So once we have the language, now we can yeah. take these like pretty amazing concepts, these ideas. And I mean, these kids, if they really internalize this and put this into their long-term memory, I mean, these are things that are going to be applicable in their relationships, in their workplaces, in college, I mean, in the military, wherever they decide to go. And they're getting this when they're 13, 14 yeah. years old. I mean, gosh. I know. And they're, it's really powerful because back to neuroplasticity, what we learn at that time, what the brain is doing is um, – it's deciding which neural networks it needs and which ones it wants to prune away. Mm, um, right. Which, you know, like, I don't really need this. Okay, I haven't really learned Japanese up until now, so we're just going to cut that out. And, <laughs> right. and, you know, part of the benefit of that is that if you have the energy going in fewer directions, it goes more strongly in the directions that get chosen. And so this is one of the reasons, as I understand it, that sometimes your young person in their teens and early 20s will have like a, like overnight, it'll seem like all of a sudden they got massively smarter. And it's <laughs> one aspect of that is probably that something got pruned away. And so there's more energy mm. going like down the math neural pathways. Does that make sense? As a, have you seen that as a teacher? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think there are times where I'm like, wow, I, I, would, I always attribute to the fact that high school registration has happened. 
and the fact that the kids are now scared because you know the fact they're going from an eighth grade top dog to like the bottom of the total pool when they get to high school. And so maybe <laughs> right. you know what maybe it is just an issue of the fact that they're like, you know, wait a second, what really is important, right? So I think this goes back to values, right? Like what and those values hopefully then like you said, get re I mean, you know, in their neuro pathways get strength and just really think about it more. And so I think that's what we right. have to be able to do is to go back and look at the things that are important to them now and then see whether or not any if we can actually work with any of those values because we have to have things that are in common i'm a human being they're a human being right i mean i'm chinese a lot of them are not chinese but still we have things in common so let's work with what we have and then let's build a culture let's build a community around certain values that we can all agree upon and then oh god that's so. Well, and you know, and this is, it's part of, um, and as you know, we've done our work with the seven levels on the brain all over the world, and we mm. do work in China, and which is in many ways very different than the U.S., and in many ways yes. very much the <laughs> same, and there are some cult- cultural ways brains develop, but everybody's, you know, when we go and talk about chaos and rigidity and structure mm. and freedom, this is a cross-cultural concept. This is not a cultural concept. It's a brain thing. And yes. so being able to see that, one of the things that I've seen, in this, and I'm loving that your, your young people are getting this early in, their, early in their lives, is that it was fascinating to me when I learned about this, like in my 40s, and I wish I'd had it sooner, that I had a tendency toward chaos earlier mm. in my life because I was absolutely terrified of rigidity. And I think this is normal, I think, or typical maybe is a better word than normal. I think many people who want to just keep things open and just keep possibility open and, you know, they're probably the P's on the Myers-Briggs, you know, perceiving mm-hmm. rather than <laughs> judging. Um, they, they're part of, when it gets to be unhelpful, which it was for me, I never finished anything, I didn't complete anything, it was because I didn't, I was so afraid of this rigidity, and I didn't understand that structure was an option, and structure does not mean rigidity. I think mm-hmm. the same is true. You talk about these parents that, you know, or teachers that, that go to rigidity that like, okay, mm-hmm. one person has talked, therefore no one can talk again ever in study hall. <laughs> right, like, right. What they're, try, what they're trying to avoid is chaos. Rigidity right. is a reaction to chaos. And it's diff- And for people to understand, yeah, chaos is different than freedom. You can have freedom. Mm. You can calibrate these things. And you can calibrate them in your own life. And if I had understood that a little bit of structure, a little bit of following the rules was actually going to get me further, I wouldn't have been so reactive as a young adult, trying not to mm. don't fence me in. Yeah, yeah. So I love well, I also I love, just love the power of, of language, right? So having these terms creates our worldview. It creates a, a structure for us to be able to, to map out what our, the options are in our life. So I think these kids sometimes don't maybe have a lot of adult conversations. And, you know, these concepts are, you know, higher level. And so by giving them these words, these ideas, these concepts, it then gives them a, an ability to be able to think and observe things. And to, to gain awareness. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the big things yeah. I'm about is the fact that the kids, the kids if, they, if they lack personal awareness, then you have to build something so that they, they can see the world around them and hopefully in turn be able to look at themselves differently also. 
So, mm, yeah. God. And that's what all our kids are doing. That's and that, That's why the seven levels that's is really great. good for that. So when, later on, when you get to the seven levels, it's, it's really powerful. <laughs> oh, cool. I want to go there next, but I want to ask you one other neuroscience yeah. question, which is I know, yeah. I know at some point along the way, you used one of the neuroscience concepts to help them with studying, and it really helped with studying and homework. And I think oh, you yeah. were taught them about task and default. Is that what you did? Mm-hmm. And I did. Can you talk a, little, talk a little bit about that? Because I think there's lots of parents that would, and teachers that would love to hear how you kind of cracked the, cracked the studying code. Yeah, I think it really is about understanding how our brain works, right? That there is a benefit to taking moments away to let your mind wander, right? I think the illustration mm. you use, Anne, is about the horse and the pasture. That that really, that does help facilitate the times when the horse needs to be, you know, on the path with the blinders on. And I think that for the kids to understand the roles of each makes a huge difference. So what happened was I had kids who told me that after I taught them the difference between those two modes, that they would go and when they would study and they felt the fact that they were not being productive anymore, they would literally tell themselves, I am now switching to default mode. I'm going to go for a quick walk or I'm going to listen to a piece of music or I'll stand up and you know, go for a snack. But then they would come back to the task positive and then do what they need to do wow. instead of just like wandering. Right. So it's all about like, it goes back to having an awareness of what's going on in their brain. So kids actually told me like, I, I, I would never do any of my homework, but maybe it goes back to what you just said in terms of wanting that, that some freedom, but not realizing the fact that what they were really getting is getting themselves into chaos after a while. So I think that's what yeah, the kids are really monitoring themselves. That's so uh, caught in self-monitoring. That's what we want them to learn at that age, and I love this. And so just a little little quick expansion on that. It's this um, fascinating part of the brain um, that, that we have these two correlated networks, and one helps us really focus on task in the present moment, and it's you know more of our analytical, logical processes um, are taking place in that. It's about being um, you know right here, right now in the present. And then we have this mind-wandering state. And they literally do different things. Can you hear me okay, Shane? Yeah, I can. Okay, sorry. I thought, I thought my headset cut out. Sorry, everybody. So they do oh, different no. things. And everybody needs time in both. And when you're studying and reading, that's very much, as you were saying, task positive. You have to really focus and pay attention. And what the research says is your brain can only take so much of that. And you can get better at it. You can strengthen it. But if the expectation is that for three hours you're going to sit and, you know, do your algebra homework or read this book and memorize these history dates, no human being, particularly a teenager, can probably do that or a few. Mm-hmm. Some could. My my son was reasonably good at that, but he's rare. <laughs> he has a really strong task network. And even so, I think he would stop and, you know, play a game. But I think what you're showing them is with the language and with the understanding, rather than feeling frustrated and like they're half doing their work and half not really focusing – they said, let me just stop, let me give this other part of my brain some time so that I can come back and focus on my work, which is what I want you know, people of all ages to be able to do is use these two networks intentionally. And so since we're on this mm-hmm. topic, now you have to tell the story about when you were substituting in French class. Yeah, with the French they class. Were, they... yeah. <laughs> I got to do that. So, so, 
so sometimes uh, teachers are out and they can't find someone to sub for a period. And so during my prep period, I went to a French class and I had like maybe five or six of my students. The rest, I didn't know them. And so what I did was I gave them a timer because there was no way for me to monitor whether or not they were at the end of their task positive. So what I did was I just start like a timer for like seven minutes and the kids would work, work, work on whatever the teacher gave, left for her sub plans. And then I had them stand up and share with each other like, hey, we're in France, do you want to visit? And they did that. They all got up and they talked for like 30 seconds and they went back to work. And so we did that, I don't know, maybe three rounds or something like that. At the end of class, a couple of my students came up to me and said, you were messing with our task positive and default mode, weren't you, Mr. Guy? And I was taken aback <laughs> because I'm like, that's not what kids say to teachers. That's not what they say to anybody. But they said that to me because they had an awareness of what I was actually doing to their brain. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I mean, I had this, like, this, this wow, aha moment that the kids had. Not only, you Sometimes when you're in a different class, you, you kind of skip out. You forget all the things that you need to do or those like, concepts no, you learned that- in one other class. But they did it. They were able to transfer that information from my class into that yeah. other French class. Different class, different period, different teacher. It was amazing. Absolutely That's amazing. That's just awesome. I love that. And, you know, what I, what I can also really see about that is, so we have this network, which is like, you know, they were doing their verbs or whatever. It takes a lot of focus. And then, you know, one of the things we didn't say is kind of what each network does. Well, one of the beautiful things about the default mode network is that's the place that we have um, some vision or some dream. Mm-hmm. So what a perfect question to ask is, hey, where would you like to visit? And just give the brain a little break and it can dream for a moment. And then my bet is that by doing that, you actually got more focus out of them than if you had just cracked mm-hmm. the whip and made them focus for the whole class period. Right. Yep. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's just brilliant. I think all, all teachers could use that. Probably, uh, probably a lot of teachers intuitively understand that, but knowing yeah, kind of where I that is so. in the brain is, is, is pretty cool. Um, and, that your, and that your students called you on it. I think that's just I really, know. It was so funny. Really cool. I was like dying. I was, oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, because they see you do it, and then they're learning, as you, have, as you shared in, the, in terms of the homework, that they, that they can do this for themselves and get more, yeah. um, you know, get, get more out of themselves. So I think that's just amazing. Well, so, you know, the, in, in our work, and just for those of you that, are, that are, don't, haven't followed the above leadership, we're really the um, intersection of three things. Um, we start out really focused in the, in the space of consciousness. What is it to be more effective? What is it to understand that everyone is seeing the world according to their current level of consciousness? And this goes back to, uh, there's a lot, I think it originally comes out of the Torah, which is we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And so hmm. the world looks different if you are an angry, reactive person than it does if you are a hopeful, you know, open-minded person. The world just occurs differently. So that's been our fascination. About eight years ago, we started weaving neuroscience in what we do, and then we've also been coaches for 15 years. And so what we have seen is that ultimately – 
the, per, the, the point of everything that we're doing is to help people understand what level of consciousness they're at and find ways to go to different levels of consciousness. And neuroscience has a really interesting bridge in there. But I know, Shay, you've, so you've been sharing neuroscience with them and you've also shared with them this model of the seven levels of effectiveness, mm-hmm. or we also say there's seven levels of consciousness. And, and um, you know, it sounds like students have really found them helpful. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure the fact that there was something to build, um, to build off of with the, with the amygdala hijack and with the um, – with being online in terms of the brain bump. And so it just made sense to go ahead and, and, and see whether or not the seven levels would be something that they could have access to. So I was, I was pretty much sure that in terms of the, the lower levels, in terms of um, fight, um, flight, and freeze, that that concept was you know, within the grass. But I wasn't sure about the, the, um, the above levels, uh, four, five, six, and seven. And so what I've done... Um, this year is actually something a little bit different. And what I did was this. I decided to go and use their schema, right, their background knowledge. And what I did was I asked them to choose a character because I teach language arts. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to choose a character from a book, from a movie, from a TV show, from a video game. Wow. So what, here was the, the – wow. I wanted them to walk – I had them walk the ladder. I had them go step by step, and I would ask them questions. It wasn't the full walking ladder. I didn't do the metaphors or the embodiment and things like that. But what I did was I asked them those three questions. I had them think of a topic that their character was going through and then just answer these questions. And at the end of that lesson, I had kids who said to me, Mr. Sun, I feel like I know my character better than before. Like they really value their family. Wow. That's what drives them. And it was like this amazing – like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So they gave this amazing experience. I had other kids who said, I need to change my character. I need to change my character. This character is evil. There is no above the line, right? There's no range, right? Or this other says he's a cyborg. There is no feeling, so there's no way to 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 touch that part of their of their wow. of their being. So it was like this amazing thing. So that's what we're doing. We're actually making sure the fact that they can take something that they are pretty familiar with, right? Tackle consciousness through that way, awareness that way, and then of course wow. bring it back to themselves. So there's always this like. Toggling between, excuse me, toggling between the character and themselves, the character and themselves, those mindful values. Let's do, let's do all these things. And you know what? It's actually working. It's actually working. So they have wow. char- pictures of the characters on a- the wall we can point to, and think it's amazing. Wow, you're giving them like a roadmap to. I mean, one of the things we say about the seven levels, and they're 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 big chunks, you know, below the line we have yes. hopelessness, fear, frustration, and there's subtleties within them, but it gives you a pretty good um, map of what it is to be human. And so they're realizing they've created characters that are one-dimensional, is what it sounds like, and they're seeing dimensionality by looking at the seven levels. Is that part? Is that what mm-hmm. I'm hearing? That sounds so great. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're because, like you said, because of the fact that they know their own character, right? So they know Ariel from The Little Mermaid. They know Harry Potter. They all these characters, and so now they're just able to right. go ahead and see their transformation, their growth. Yeah. Wow. Through through this lens of of human development, which is what yes. you know what we say what we say it is, and um, what 
You know, I also know you've looked at classic literature. Was it last year that you were you doing the Diary of Anne Frank and looking at the seven mm-hmm. levels? We, yes, yeah, we actually tracked Anne. Can you, yeah, during a scene. So basically, How? what we did was we actually took a scene from the story, and as the character um, reacted to different things, we actually tracked where they were on the seven levels. So by doing that, we got to see how – actually, it deals with tone. It deals with mood of the setting. There's a lot of different things that you can, uh, you, can you know, follow, right? And so it, it right. gives us all a common language to be able to tackle and analyze literature. Gosh, so, that's yeah, we actually did that for all the Jackson's Camp, too. Same thing. With the main, yeah. <gasps> wow, that's an application that I'd never thought of, and I think that's – Absolutely, just so cool. And I, you know, think about it. You know, knowing the story of Anne Frank, and knowing, you know, there were times that she was really acting out of courage, and there are times where she was higher in the next level, which was engagement, and she was playing and trying to still be a teenager even while, you know, basically incarcerated. And so fascinating. What has been the impact personally for them around? Um, the seven levels. I mean, you said they've kind of taken it into their own home lives as well. Yeah. Well, can I read something that a kid wrote to you? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. It says, Dear Ann Betts, the seven levels that you created is such an excellent education that you've discovered. With the seven levels, everyone will get to learn how our emotions work step by step. In our life, we go through these emotions all the time, but we don't really pay attention to the emotions. I'm realizing that now, but I can see that when people get frustration or people have courage, you can tell that their emotions are going either up or down or step by step. Your work is incredible. You're one of the reasons our world has more understanding of their environment. This is the best way to understand each other. With your seven levels of personal growth and organizational effectiveness, they, read, they wrote that off from the banner, we have value more than ever before to whoever reads or sees the seven levels. This surely will change lives around the world. Thank you so much for your incredible work. This, I'm sure, will have an impact on a lot of people. That is not that kid's um, belief on their own. So many of the kids all believe the fact that, that the seven levels have impacted the way that they, you know, like she said, sees the environment. That environment could be both in the classroom. It could be in another class. It could be on the, during lunch. Or it could be at home. So I think it's giving them that, um, that it, it just empowers them. And then they literally see it every day when they come to my class. They, they know the fact that when I give them a brain bump, I may be asking them if they're in level one, two, or three, right? Either they're in hopelessness, yeah. uh, fear, or frustration. And so it's constantly on the mind because of that. God, I love that. And having, you know, one of the things that you can tell your students that, that, I, that I said this, um, because I, there's something about what, what I, you know, what I love about my son who's 21 and, you know, had just really appreciated it all throughout his adolescence and he was around their age and I really appreciate this is that if, if he bought into something, then it felt like it had, it, it had some depth to it. I don't know exactly how to put this, Shay, but in many ways, you know, what I, I love the um, disdain of young people. I love the, the, you know, like, like really, like it's, it's, you know, if this is authentic and I trust that it is, it means they actually do think this is valuable because they're not as filtered as adults. And certainly I know like Noah wasn't, if he thought something was nonsense, he would tell me it was nonsense. Um, So I, I, I really, that means a lot to me that they're finding value in this and can, can see that. Um, And they're also the generation that needs to, you know, bring this into the world. 
um, yeah. as we all get old as we all get older. Um, Shane, what advice would you have for teachers or parents, just from your own experience of using seven levels and neuroscience, and you know, bringing this into your world? What what words yeah, of wisdom do you have? Yeah, I would say. Don't be surprised. Process of trying to use it in your class that you learn more about yourself. Um, Anne and I spent some time in London, Canada, and I remember a lot of the parents actually found more uh, more about how they can increase their own effectiveness in their own life, um, and, the, and then of course helping their their children. And I think that's true of teachers too. I think that's true of myself. I mean, I it's it's impossible for me to. Uh, <laughs> do the seven levels just to, onto the kids without first inter- internalizing myself. And so that's kind yeah. of what I would say. Just don't be surprised because I think the only way it's, it's what, you know, and you've said this and other people have said this too, like, um, you know, whatever's on the inside is going to come out. Right. And you're that, that reality. Yeah. And so in the, in that process, especially if you're dealing with teens or even just young, even children in general, they can see through any facade and if you're trying yeah. to be authentic and bring these concepts to light, you cannot – there's no way to do it in an, in an authentic way because the kids are going to see through it and they're going to see the fact that it really doesn't have – it's not really a part of who you are. And I think that's the thing you have to yeah. make sure that you're willing to be able to do. You have to be willing to be wow. vulnerable at, at, at times. And that's what for myself I – think, I think I'm generally a pretty vulnerable person. But even for myself, uh, the seven levels has challenged me to, to make sure the fact that I'm – <laughs> you know that I, I'm okay, and that the kids know the fact that if I'm not okay, that they can, you know, my leaders can point that out to me, and I need to be willing Good. to accept that from someone who's younger than me, right? And because it's a two-way right. street, so yeah, you well, have to be what, ready for that. What amazing! I mean, you're modeling a couple of things. I mean, and this is part of what. I think also our role as teachers and adults and parents is at this age is, you know, they, this is the class, you know, they're not, they may not listen to what you say, but they're going to watch very closely what you do. And so watching you bring yourself back online, watching you be vulnerable to them saying, Mr. Sun, I think the incredible Hulk may be taking Mm -hmm. over and having (laughs) you respond with a reasonable amount of grace to that. Right. Gosh, you're you're showing them that is a that's a viable way to be as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, holy mackerel, that's huge. You can be this yeah. as an adult. And you know, one of the things that that I think is so interesting about learning, and we talked about pruning in the brain, and there's also this process of myelination, which is occurring much more with young people than it is as we get older, and it's the it's the way that a neural network basically gets coated with a fatty sheath called myelin. And it, the way that I think about it is stuff that we learn when we're younger gets more set in concrete. Stuff that we learn in older gets set in dry mud. You know, both can be really stable, but, you know, what we learn at this age and, you know, them watching you as an adult recover from an amygdala hijack, be honest about it, look for support from the humans around you, they are seeing that's a way to be a man, to be an mm-hmm. adult and to be, and really to be mm-hmm. a man. And that is, um, you know, that will never, that it's very, very possible that for many, many of them that will never leave them. It's funny you say that because that girl that came to me during lunch today, 
And she was saying, yeah, you know what? Um, my mom's at work and my dad is just doing his own thing and I've got to take care of my siblings. And it's really hard. It's really stressful. And so for that girl, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't see anyone modeled to her, right, about being a part right. of the family community. And so for some of these kids, yeah. being at school with one another is the only time when they really experience something healthy. And um, I'm really hoping that, and I tell them this all the time, I'm only going to be with you for nine and a half months, right, nine months or so, ten months. After that, you're on your own. So whatever I'm teaching you, apply it into many spaces as possible, right? And if you can do wow. that and you can get that really into your long-term memory, then you know what? Maybe the other things that you've seen other people, in quotes, mess up on, you know, long-term screw-up type of behavior, things like that, you don't have to repeat those things. And so they wow. understand that. They, I think that's just it. Like, as much as I can mess up at times and maybe have a little hijack here and there, they know deep down the fact that I care about them. And they know the fact yeah. that I care about them, not just their English class, not just their English grade, not even just their school life, but as a, as a person today and the person they're going to be tomorrow and into the you know, distant future. I care about that person. And as long as they know that, yeah. then as I'm teaching them, they, they're so receptive. They are. They're genuinely yeah. like, okay, Mr. Sun. They might not be able to do it right away. They might not be able to integrate that into their lives right away. But at least they know the fact that it's coming from a place where they can access it in the future. Oh, yeah, you know what? Mr. Sun talked about this. And you know what? Yeah. You know, if I can do that, that's, that's worth it then for me. That's amazing. I want to ask you one other, one other question before we yeah. wrap up, you know, because it occurs to me, you know, part of what you're using this for, as well as other initiatives in the district, is really to build a positive school community. And I'm wondering with your folks and your leaders, have you seen any direct impact on things like bullying? Hmm. You know, I haven't asked about that. Um, but, but I also think the fact that my group that I work with is pretty small because I teach at a fairly big school. Um, if our school, if my leaders ever wanted to take on that, that topic and kind of like survey and, and, and take note and find out what the, find some data, then, you know, it's definitely something we can look into. Uh, but I think that would also take training on the part of the teachers and the students in terms yeah. of the level. Yeah. You know, that, that awareness I'm just talking about, not all teachers are willing to, to go to that space because for them, they do feel like, you know, it's all academics and the relationships are not always as, yeah. as crucial. And I think that makes it challenging. So to get yeah. that. Yeah. I can, I can but definitely you know see that. Some schools, just... my, some schools, yeah, some schools, if they're willing to do that, Anne, oh my gosh, I think the fact that it would have amazing, I think it would transform and, uh, and we can actually address that issue from the core and not just the, yeah. you know, symptoms of it. So, yeah. Yeah, not just the top part, but being able to see, yeah. the, you know, the whole process and being able to understand how your brain works and what's happening, where are you? Because yeah. if I'm in an amygdala hijack and I'm in frustration, what do I want to do? I want to make someone else's life miserable. But if right, I'm above right. the line and I'm in courage and I, and I see that as an option and I can go there and I have the support of the people around me, what would it take to go to courage, then I'm not going to want to be creating problems for other people. So right, it, anyway, right, it, just, right. it just seems like it would be, be an interesting um, use of the seven levels or it seems like you know, maybe, one, maybe your kids will be the one who take, take that um, um that would be really interesting. We are going to run out of time here. Um, yeah. Shay, okay. so th- 
the other the other thing we didn't say at the beginning is, you know, Shay's not teaching in a cushy private school. You're teaching in, no. you know, tell give us a little bit about Riverside, California. I mean, what kind of school yeah, are so you teaching in? I'm teaching at a Title One school, so that means that uh, there's a good percentage. I think it's around seventy maybe or so um, percent of the kids all on free reduced lunch. Um, my population is wow Hispanic, and so um, yeah, but. So yeah, I, I'm not teaching in like in some fancy uh, neighborhood with brand new you know buildings or anything like that. That's not where I teach. Um, but yeah. you know what? The kids, the kids, kids are kids no matter where where they're at. I don't teach in a you know in a East LA type of environment where there's like you know um, uh, guns and things like that either. So I would say the fact that I'm probably teaching the pretty most mainstream type of school in America or at least in California. So yeah. Wow, but you're you're looking at kids who've got some external struggles, and I guess you know it's it's just a question of what you know. In affluent high schools, there's just different struggles, but um, yeah, you really yeah. you you know you're doing amazing work. I'm really I'm totally inspired. I'm totally inspired by this. Oh, thank you, Anne. Everyone. Everyone else that's listening to, if you're not inspired, I, I don't know what's I don't know what's what. Well, um, you know, I will let you speak, go ahead. <laughs> no, just speaking of inspiration, I just wanted to mention the fact that everybody in the audience. I mean, if it wasn't for Anne and this, I don't know if, whether or not I would have the, just the conviction, the passion I do. So, um, you know, you inspire me all the time, Anne, and I thank you so much. And I hope oh, all of you in the audience oh. like dig deeper into Anne's work. So. <laughs> Thank you, Shay. Um, we You're don't welcome. have any specific training for teachers, but we do have something we call our Human Relationships Program, which is really about communication. It's not just for coaches. It's for anyone, parents, teachers, business people. It's, it's really for anyone who has to communicate with other humans. And so we'll be doing that. Um, then I believe it's the 9th and 10th. It's the second weekend of December up in up in um, the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's on our website on the Seven Levels program. So if you're inspired and you want to find something you can do and learn more about this, that would be a great program. Um, Shay, thank you so much. Love to your you're family. Welcome, I know you bring you bring this home. And one of my favorite videos of all time is little Anna at age eight reciting <laughs> the Seven Levels. So yes. <laughs> Give love to everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. And we'll say goodbye. Bye, Shay. Okay, bye-bye, everyone. Bye, Anne.